gift. <laughs> Pittsburgh? Let's get it. Let's go. Four, one, two. Check, check. If you steal a gang, then you bang, 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 bang. If you with the team, then you gang, bang, gang, gang. If you steal a gang, then you bang, 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 bang. If you with the team, then you gang, bang, gang. Still a nation, what's going on? It's your man Kev Easy here. This is episode 97 of the Stills for 7 podcast. We are days away for Stiller football. I'm hyped. I know you hype, man. It's that time. It's that time. It's that time. And I know you guys have been watching and keeping up with training camp. Yo, man, it's a lot of good things I'm seeing from certain guys, from the young guys to the second-year guys. You know, some of the vets, you see the leadership on their on their part. You start to see certain roles, certain guys starting to carve out early roles. You know, it's not setting stones too early. It's too early. We did get the first depth chart, though. We did. We did. do. We did get that. You know, it's a couple things that stuck out on that. We're going to get into that. Also, shout out to the Hall of Famers, you know, Rondé Barber in particular. You know, he... Gave Mike Tomlin a great shout out, you know, basically giving him his flowers. And it's dope to hear somebody give Mike Tomlin his flowers on that stage. So that was dope. We yeah, And we also got some BS as well, man. We have Vontez Burfick running his mouth for nothing. I don't even want to say running his mouth, running his fingers. Got him, him talking a little crazy. We're going to get into that later. And then... We got a former tackle, Jonathan Scott, who ripped Ben Roethlisberger. We're going to end the show with that. But, <laughs> guys, we got a good one, man. Stay tuned. We're going to get started. Oh, man. I, <laughs> it's going to be crazy, man. But training camp, training camp, training camp. How was training camp? Let's get into it. Now, first thing I want to point out is superstar, the best safety in the NFL, according to the 100 players, the top 100 players. And I can take that with a grain of salt because these guys, these MFers, they <laughs> they have T.J. Watt ranked in the 20s. So that list was a little crazy to me. I don't even want to talk about it too crazy because, like I said, it seems like each year it gets a little more crazy, right? But Mika Fitzpatrick missed a, a lot, uh, a few practices. Um, it was very quiet of what happened. There was little rumors that he was dealing with a personal matter. That was also kind of echoed. Like, it was personal family. I mean, not even family. I don't even think they use family. But they use personal, personal, personal. And then Mika can end up coming back to practice. Um, August 5th, you know, coming back to practice and he was upbeat, man. You know, he's saying it's good to get back to it. You know, uh, he went into it, say, even if it's only a few days, you definitely realize how much you love the game, how much you care about the game. But obviously you want to be there for your family and for your people. It's good to be back. So it's good hearing that from Megan Fitzpatrick. Um, and it shows that the Pittsburgh Steelers as an organization, 
they care about the player. Yes, it's a business, but you know they care about the player a little more than a lot of other franchises. I'll say most franchises. You just see it. There's a few examples of that throughout this podcast, and I might touch on some. You know, this is one of them. I know I'm going to touch on another one a little bit later, but they really care about their guys, man. And then you talking about your superstar player on defense, you know, you know, TJ Watt, he's probably the best. I wouldn't argue it on defense. And then you have Mika Fitzpatrick and then you have Cam Hayward. You know, you can kind of interchange them sometimes depending on the game. But it's good to have Minka back out there, man. Um, he's able to connect with the DBs. They get they get gelling and all that. I know I'm not expecting to see too much of these guys play in the preseason game. As we get closer in the week, probably maybe even a day of, because we do play Friday, August 11th. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But it's good to see Minka Fitzpatrick out there. Salute to him. Glad you're back. And shout out to the Steelers, man. But other than that, now that we got that out the way, let's talk about a brand new rivalry. And that's camp rivalry, by the way. Not real rivalry, you know. This is camp rivalry. But one of the biggest rivalries talked about where you see nothing but a second-year player showing that he's him and a rookie that's getting better by the snap. And if you don't know just about that, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about GP, George Pickens, and I'm talking about the junior, Joey Porter Jr. Now, this is dope. Joey Porter Jr., if you see um, his tape in college, com- being competitive, you will see that right away. Granted, his name is Joey Porter, so you know he's going to bring that. It's in, it's in the genes. It's in the blood. So you're going to bring that, being competitive. And he's matched up with you know, some of the, some of the kind of the best receivers in the game, for real. You know, sometimes he gets uh, Deontay, but most of the time in the highlights has been him versus George Pickens. And he's not scared to lose. That's one thing about Joey Porter Jr. He's not scared to lose. It's always the next play. It was a catch that George Pickens made that was just crazy. It's like, dude, this is training camp. You doing this, like this, the body control he has and just the way he can just get the ball, like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Now, I'm not going to lie. Some of it, you know, do be, you know, offensive pass interference, but the NFL is pro offense, so hopefully he can get away with a lot of that, (laughs) you know, and, you know, I'd rather have clean it up, but that's going to happen over time. But GP, I mean, not GP, um, Joey Porter Jr., he he won sometimes too, even to the point that I'm not sure which day it was, but he won a day. Mike Tomlin, Coach Tomlin, he said Joey Porter won that. I think he told George Pickens that. Said so he won that one a day. Like the young boy won that one that 
Like, so you're seeing the great rivalries. Uh, iron sharpens iron. You know, you can't you can't ask for nothing better. And it's not like this is a vet vet going against a rookie. This is a first year player rookie, first year player, of course, duh, and a second year player, and George Pickens. Like, yo, do y'all not understand just how good that is? Like, these guys are young, and they making each other better each practice, each snap. And you know, for the next couple of years, when a training camp comes around, this is going to be probably number one. Oh, shoot. Joey Porter versus um, George Pickens. We get to see something. It's going to be a bigger. That's going to be like the highlight to go to Latrobe. You feel me? So, St. Vincent's College. But that was dope. That's dope to see, man. That's one of the big highlights. Big highlights of the summer camp. I mean, excuse me, the training camp. But this guy right here. This is. Remember when I said that. The Steelers organizations care. They care about their players. They care about the players. Now, I see around the league often if someone fails, they draft the guy and they fail, or they're just not doing a, a good job. It's not like they're not they're not doing a good job. A lot of teams just cut bait. Say, yo, we're done. Wash our hands. Wow, wow, wow. That's it. We don't care. But the Pittsburgh Steelers shows why. They show why they're one of the best organizations in the NFL. Because they actually care about their guys. And they want them to succeed. Y'all want to know who I'm talking about? He's probably had the best week of camp. Probably the best week. If you pick a player... And on a week stretch, and all the weeks of training camp so far, this guy has to be at the top. And y'all know who I'm talking about? Y'all wouldn't believe me if y'all wasn't paying attention. But I'm talking about Kendrick Green. Yo, Kendrick Green, his rookie year, he was drafted. He was a guard. But in the NFL, he would be considered a very small guard. So he got moved to center. A disaster will probably be the right word to use, but I won't use it. He did not have a good rookie year at all. To the point that his second year, he didn't play a game. He was a healthy scratch every game. And it's a lot of rumblings, you know, a lot of jokes, Kendrick Green jokes and stuff. He's a bum. Uh, you know, you heard it all. Every We heard it all about Kendrick Green. But you know what the Steelers staff and organization said? This kid has something in them. We just have to, we just have to find it and unlock it so he can flourish. So coming into this training camp, the... Um, the fullback, I forgot his name already. You know, he came and went. But the kid with the mullet, he retired the first week of training camp. Maybe two practices in, he he retired. 
Um, so that kind of left the fullback position open. Out of nowhere, you start seeing Kendra Green out there, and this is this is not just like a regular practice. Nah, this is like Friday night lights. You starting to see Kendrick Green getting reps at fullback and getting catches and stuff like moving like Jerome Bettis though. Not not Jerome Bettis from Notre Dame or Jerome Bettis from his early years for the Rams or Jerome Bettis from the early years for the Steelers. I'm talking about Jerome Bettis that ran over Brian Urlacher his last year, Jerome Bettis, you know, because of the size and all that, you know. But Kendrick Green being a fullback really fits him because it's like he was a guard. So he has that, like, ability to pull or, you know, to go get a guy, right? So him playing fullback, lead guy, all he got to do is go to the gap, hit the first guy in there. Simple as that. He ain't got to block. He ain't got to do nothing. Well, you know, he got blocked, but he don't got to do the offensive line stuff. With those type of battles that he can't win because his arms is kind of short for his um, position. But him at fullback, you can't really. And it's not like he can't move like that. He can move. He, he It's a couple clips out there. Y'all check the YouTube out, man. It's a little clip. Kind of look like Jerome Bettis. Yeah, he was going through the little jugs. You know, um, not the jugs. Going through the drills. And... You know, he kind of has some good feet. I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie, man. Um, But the clip on the YouTube, y'all check that out, man. He runs over the linebacker, Toby Naduke or something like that. He runs him over, man. Um, And then I think the next day he ran over Moose. What was his first name? Tanner Moose. Or Muse. He ran him over too. Picked up like 10 yards, 11, 10 yards, something like that. You know, so Kendrick Green, was he's doing his thing, yo. He's doing his thing, and he can only improve since that will be his focus. Um, you know, so like, you can just see how he moved, man. Just, if you want to see how he moved, check out the Twitter page. Check out the Stillers for 7 podcast, YouTube the shorts where he's running through the gauntlet. You know, if you want to watch just some of his movements, man, he's doing a good job. Um, he's showing that he's not just a lineman, big man. You feel me? Like he's, he's someone that's versatile that can really move around and do his thing. So it's good to see that. And where would Kendrick Green be if he came in the league and we found that out, like, yo, he can be our fullback. We had Derek Watt, so it would that would have never hit anyone's mind. But this is one of those situations where it was like, yo, man, one um, man's misfortune is the next man's treasure. You know, the, the, the kid with the mullet. I'm sorry, I can't remember your name right now, man. But the kid with the mullet, he retired. Kendrick Green got another opportunity for to possibly have a long career at fullback. You know, not like 15 years and stuff like that. But I mean, long career based on him just still being a lineman. He probably would have been out the league soon. If he, he probably would have been out the league now if he was on a, another team. 
But the fact that he was able to change his position, he's doing great. Salute to Kendrick Green, man. Keep working. And we, them goal line situations are going to be crazy because not only would you have a Kendrick Green back there, but we use two tight ends. Like, we got some big guys outside of, you know, Connor Hayward. You know, he, you know, he, he's like a, um, he's our Debo Samuel. <laughs> you know, we can use him that way. But the other guys, you know, Pat Fryer move, he's kind of a quote unquote normal tight end. But we got two refrigerators. You know, we have Zach Gentry and we have this next fellow that I'm going to talk about that if he reaches his potential, may I say he be tight end one in two years? Y'all know who I'm talking about? I'm going to let y'all know who I'm talking about, man. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm talking about that kid, that rookie from Georgia, Darnell Washington. Yo, Darnell Washington, rookie out of Georgia, 6'7", big as hell. <laughs> Pause. Like, this guy can do it all. He can block. He can catch. He can run. You know, he's not a burner, but he can run for his size. Like, he's definitely faster than Zach Gentry. No no shade, Zach. But Darnell Washington has the capabilities to be a superstar tight end. And it's crazy because we kind of have a superstar tight end in the making. You know, I feel like this is him being available to us. is keeping him from being a superstar tight end, one of the elites. I feel like he's knocking on the door in Pat Fryer move. He's knocking on the door. This year, he can possibly be in that top five tight ends. I feel like he's probably six or seven, you know, just because availability. But Darnell Washington, like, it's interesting to see what's going to happen. Because in the red zone, come on, put him in. Put him in, and you should tell everyone we're going to him. It's a couple it's a couple of them things, man. It's a couple of clips out there with Darnell Washington like he goes through the motions like a receiver and he's six seven big as hell. Pause, you know, it's crazy. Like it's he's very versatile, man, and it's only a matter of time where we see him light it up for us at some point. And him showing all this talents and getting all the time and stuff like that, I feel like it's not even a, a slight to or to a, a, a bad thing for Zach Gentry because Zach Gentry still brings something to the team, and that's the blocking and the size, right? Now it's like we, we don't have to rely on him to be a receiver for real, but when it comes to goal line, or fourth and one and stuff like that. Put him on one side. Put um, Darnell Washington on the other side. You feel me? I have Kendrick Green at fullback with Najee behind him. Um, excuse me, y'all. Who said we not getting a yard? Who said we not getting inches, man? Pause. Like like Kenny Pickett, quarterback sneaks. You know like. Well, you know, that's a little different. But just having those guys, those two big, like, 
6'7", Zach Gentry 6'8", both of them north of 250. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, they both had purpose. Same as, you know, Pat Frymuth, of course, is one, T, tight end one. But, you know, you have Connor Hayward where it's like, we probably not going to have him in a tight end spot like that. We might have him in the slot on certain plays. He might be in the backfield in certain plays, you know? So, all four of those guys have purpose on this team. And it'll be very interesting to see if that's the case. We keep those guys um, and possibly lose out somewhere else on another position. But, Darnell Washington upside, I see, is great. I like this whole draft class. It's crazy because, and this whole this whole situation here, this whole segment here, might as well just talk about the two offensive Georgia guys. Uh, Broderick Jones, you know, it's a lot of things saying he's doing good. It's a lot of things and people saying that, you know, he's not doing too well. Me, I feel like based off of what the coaches are saying, and he's doing he's doing okay. He's doing okay. I feel like he'll be number one on the depth chart by the time the first game come around. I think I believe I said that when the first depth chart come out, period, he'll be number one. But, you know, we'll get into the depth chart a little bit later. But it seems like Dan Moore is not going down without a fight when it comes to Broderick Jones. So that's like a quiet matchup, quiet battle that no one's really talking about like that just because of the theatrics of Joey Porter and and George Pickens. So I ain't really too mad about that, but that's interesting to see um, the development of Broderick Jones and Darnell Washington on the same offense going forward because these are got these are the future. These guys are the future, man. But it's another guy. He's a rookie by default, right? Because he got hurt. He didn't play a game. But this guy is definitely going to make a difference when he touched that field when it's time to. Because he's been doing this thing in camp. And that little fast guy, his name is Calvin Austin. Let's talk about him when we get back. Talk tall, but them niggas is small. Tryna stack my chips, tryna make sure that we haul. Haul up the big bucks, and y'all niggas is fall. Y'all niggas is fall. I ain't pray for that. Other hand, y'all pray for mine. So fuck that, this my time. I'ma make you love the grind. Yeah, I see that you hate, but it don't matter to us, cause venture gang ain't place all day.
Calvin Austin is was the biggest question mark. You know, coming into this off, I won't say the biggest question mark, but he was one of my biggest question marks coming into this year because he missed last year. But one trait that he has is something we didn't have last year, and that was that speed, man. That speed, and you see what speedy wide receivers can do for you, especially when your offense don't go deep like that. Those fast guys can do a whole lot of damage catching it ten yards. 15 yards, you know, in a situation where all they got to do is catch and run, let their legs do the rest. Calvin Austin is one of those guys, and on occasions, you know, you've seen in practice where Kenny went deep to him, and he came he came with it. He did have certain days where, you know, he had his drops and whatnot, but I'll just chalk it up to his training camp, man. It's early. He's just coming back. So I feel like that will be a problem that won't last or get bigger or be a known thing. Like the freaky one with Deontay Johnson a couple of years ago um, where he was just dropping a lot of passes, man. I think at a point it just got into his head. But I don't see that happening with Calvin Austin just because it's like he's getting used to things. But when he's on, he's on. And you see that he can be the X factor. Whereas, like, dang, man, the Steelers have so many potential X factors on our offense, whether it's Najee or Jalen Warren or Pat Frymuth or Connor Hayward or, you know, um, DJ, GP, you know, Allen Robinson didn't even really talk about him yet. You know, you know like, it's we have so many guys that can contribute. I just hope that... <laughs> A guy like Calvin Austin will get lost in the sauce. And his purpose is his purpose on this team. You know, those plays that can take it to the house from home run plays. Calvin Austin, I feel like, will be able to give us at least four of those this year. If he's healthy, I believe he can give us four big plays that's like, if it's not a touchdown, damn it, <laughs> it's a big, big, big play. Because on the depth chart, you'll see that his impact is not just on the offense. It will be elsewhere as well. So, Calvin Austin is one of those guys that I'm like, hmm. I can't wait to see what he can do. And I believe we'll see a whole lot of him in the preseason. Just to get an idea of how he'll fit. I'm interested in seeing that. I'm interested in seeing how Calvin Austin plays with this team and this offense, man. So salute to Calvin Austin, making yourself back, come back, head straight, focus, tunnel vision. I already know you're going to do what you got to do to get it done. You feel me? I'm just waiting for you to do it so we can watch it. Still a nation. We waiting and we, you know, we rooting for you, man. So salute to Calvin Austin. And I spoke about the depth chart. A few times. So I feel like we should dive into that. So let's take a look at it. I'm going to go through it. And, you know, I'm going to run through it a little quick. I may not speak on the third team, but, you know, sometimes it's necessary. But I'm going to talk about the the ones that kind of surprised me. And I'm not going to be real surprised, so I'm going to try to think as you know a casual like a casual fan will probably think like wow why would why would he be starting you know someone that's not really paying attention to what's going on 
until the season starts. So I'm trying to let me try to look at it that way. But we're gonna go into this depth chart. Let's get it. All right, guys, I'm gonna run through this like this. I'm gonna talk about the first team, and then you know we'll talk about the second team, and then the third team for each position, right? So with the first team, we have Kenny Pickett, a quarterback, of course. Connor Hayward is first team fullback right now. Najee Harris, first team running back. Got Pat Fry move at Pat, and <laughs> not at Pat, but at tight end. You have George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and Allen Robinson for the three receiver spots. And for the offensive line from left tackle to right, you have Dan Moore, you have Isaac, you have Mason Cole, you have James Daniels, then you have Chooks. You know, it's a solid line when you look at it, you know. It's pretty solid, pretty solid. So that's the offense. The only surprise I have with that is, and it's not, and it's not really a surprise for me. Like I said, I'm trying to thank for the people that's not in tune of what's going on in training camp and stuff like that in the process. I see that the Steelers drafted a left tackle first, and when I look at the depth chart, he's not first team. So I'm like, what's going on? Is he good? What's going on? I think that just out of respect, you put Dan Moore first. Because it's not like Dan Moore is out there being trash or, you know, in camp. Like, he's having a good camp, too. You know, and I feel like, just like kind of with Mitch, where, yeah, when we signed him, it was a little different. But as training camp was going on, I was like, all right, Mitch is playing good enough where we're not going to put the kid in right now. You know, he didn't lose the job until he lost the job, right? So it's like Dan Moore didn't lose. He's not losing the job right now. It's kind of like, all right, it's even, you know. But if it's too even at the end, we're going to go with the kid probably. But Dan Moore is young himself. So Dan Moore being left tackle, it's not too bad, man. It's not too bad. And, um, yeah, that's about it, man, as far as the offense, first team. Ain't too much I can say about that. It's only just the left tackle spot. Second team, quarterback, you got Mitch. Running back, Jalen Warren. Fullback, no one. Um, for the receivers, the three guys, you have Hakeem Butler, Calvin Austin, and Miles Boykin. Offensive line from left tackle to right tackle. Oh, I'm sorry. Tight end, you have Zach Gentry at second. That is not too surprising. But it's a little surprising to me. I'm um, I'm not going to lie. And the only reason why it's kind of surprising is because I felt like they would have gave Darnell Washington a little more respect. But I understand it, man. Zach Gentry been here, done that. And he's a capable backup. He's kind of been that way um, since he's been there. He's, you know, the potential of the guys he's, behind, he's ahead of, is the ceiling is higher than his. But as of right now, it's like I'm not mad at them putting him at two. It can definitely change by the next one. But shout out to him. As far as left tackle to right tackle, you have Broderick Jones, uh, Kevin Dobson, who I'm actually hearing um, in trade rumors. You know, like I'm starting to hear that a little bit. But you know, it's, it's early on. People need stuff to think, stuff to say, and stuff to write. But I'm hearing that right now. Kendrick Green at center. 
and I think that's probably going to be like that, you know, because he's the one that's been around. Then you have Nate Nate Herbig, an older brother, Nick Herbig, and you have LaRaven Clark at right tackle. The backup line is not too bad, you know. I in the preseason, I'm gonna be looking at the offensive line probably the most when it comes to the offense because I just want to see the chemistry of the guys, especially that the first line. But I, it's for when the second line go in, I want to see individual battles. I want to see who can win their individual battles, you know. So. That's what I'm going to be watching as far as the offense in the preseason game coming up. But like I said, when that when we get closer, we'll talk more about that. Third team on offense, it's it gets a little light, y'all. It gets a little light. Quarterback, you have Mason Rudolph. Running back, you have Anthony McFarlane. Receivers, you have Jamarcus Bradley. Gunner Osheski. Yeah, 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 okay. And Cody White. You know, that's the third team right there. And then you have a couple of linemen in here. Uh, Connor Haywood is third on tight ends. And center, Ryan McCollum, right guard, William Dunkey, Dunkel. And right tackle, Dylan Cook. Dylan Cook. You know, some positions, they ran out of guys. I mean, they just ran out of guys. It's because you even have a fourth and a fifth team. And the fourth team... That's where you'll see Darnell Washington, where I feel like when the next depth chart comes up, he may be ahead of Connor, just because Connor can move around. So just listing Darnell Washington higher than Connor. It don't hurt Connor, I don't believe. But I believe both of these guys will be above or past Zach Gentry by the middle of the year. You know, so but I feel like all four of these guys will be on the team. We have a fifth tight end in Riley William, Rodney Williams, who's not doing too bad. But I just feel like the the numbers is not working in his favor, man. So if anything, he might be a practice squad guy who will get picked up by another team because he's he's pretty he's doing pretty good as well. And that's offense, man. You have you know Spencer Anderson at center for fourth, and Dan Chelsea. You know, if I said his name wrong, my fault. But I'm hearing his name. He, he's kind of like the new Cody White. Uh, I think he's from Penn State. If I'm wrong, my bad. But, you know, he's kind of having like, hey, guys, you know, I could be a practice squad guy. I'm, you know, because we have a lot of receivers. I don't feel like he'll make make the team. But he could definitely be a practice squad guy if he keeps up what he's doing right now in training camp. It would be nice to see. That translate to a preseason game. And that's where these guys basically battling for their careers, man. But that's the offense. Defense, first team. First team, first team, first team. Some of it might be interesting to some. Some of it might be, you know, I think this, I, I kind of knew this, but I'm only do. Like I like I did the offense, I'll do the first team, the second team, and then the third team. First team, D tackle, you have Cam, Cam Hay, Cam Hay, Cam Hayward, man. You have Martrevius Adams at nose. At then you have Larry O. Then linebacker outside, you have TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. Middle linebackers, you have Cole Holcomb and 
Eldon Roberts. I feel like those two guys are there because the guy that we signed a little bit later, which is not too long ago from today where I'm recording this, Quan Alexander, I feel like he he's a guy that possibly will probably start by week one just because of what he do. But Ellen Roberts and Cole Holcomb is not really laying down. So it's, it, it's dope. It's a dope problem to have. But those two are the guys in the middle. As far as DBs on the outside, you have Levi Wallace with Patrick Peterson. And for Nickel, you have Sheldon uh, Sullivan. And for the safeties, Minka Fitzpatrick. And you have two guys for strong safety right now. We've got 1A and 1B. You have uh, DeMonte Casey. I believe he's hurt. And you have Kenu Neal. So, that's not too bad. I feel like the cornerback position may be different by week one. And and maybe the linebacker situation may switch around a little bit. But let me go to the second team, and I'm going to tell you why. Right? For D-tackle, you have Isaiah Laudermilk who I haven't really heard too much about. I actually thought that he would take another step, but it seems like, you know, it don't seem like he'll he's taking a step that I think he's going to take, right? But, you know, he's the second guy behind Cam Hayward. Um, knows you have, uh, what is it, Brelden? Uh, is it Brandon? Brilden? Fajaco? Um, I butchered that name up, man. <laughs> it's all good. But then you have the Melvin Leo, who I feel like was doing pretty good last year. Someone that we don't really talk about too crazy that I'm interested in seeing his next step in year two. Linebackers on the outside, you got Marcus Golden, the vet, and you have Nick Herbig, the younger brother of Nick Herbig. Nick Herbig. Is a good third. He's a good guy to have going behind Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watt, because he is quick. You know, he got that burst. He's gonna apply that pressure, man. Now it's interesting to see how he does in the preseason. And I think I seen today him and his brother got hurt at practice. Don't know the severe, the like how severe the injuries are. It might be just little bumps and bruises, but you know. I would like to see Nick Herbert in action. And I'm hearing a lot of good things from him. On the inside, you have Quan Alexander, who I feel like may go to first team. And, you know, you have Mark Robinson, who's, I want to say, this may be his second year playing linebacker, inside linebacker in his career. You know, um, so it's like a lot of guys on the second team that I feel like will be playing a lot. If not a lot, a good handful the secondary, you have James Pierre. We had signed him to an extension. Uh, Trey Norwood, who I'm a fan of, I, I um, I believe he'll get his time. He'll get some time. Somehow he'll get some time. You know, Mika's Mika's Mika, so you know he's not gonna, he's not getting out. But if he somehow can play strong safety a little bit and do his thing, maybe. But you know, you got Trey Norwood backing up Mika. And for as far as the safety, you have Miles Kilbrew, who 
I believe he was a captain, if not last year, the year before. But he was definitely a captain of the team, the great leader there. And then as far as the corners, you had uh, the other corner on the other side, I'm sorry, you have Joey Porter Jr. And uh, at nickel, you have Elijah Riley, who I've been I've been hearing his name a little bit too. Uh, but Joey Porter Jr. is a guy I feel like will be starting. So what I'm seeing here is none of the rookies are on the first team. None of the rookies. You know, you have only two rookies. Let me make sure. On offense and defense, you only have two rookies. Well, three technically. And on the second team, with Broderick Jones, that technically comes from Calvin Austin being there. And... Joey Porter Jr. So these are guys that you know is going to really play or start. Not Calvin Austin, but, you know, those guys are going to play a, a, lot of, a lot of minutes. And on the third team for defense, <clears throat> you have Ermon Watts at D-tackle. <clears throat> Kenu Benton, he's a rookie. I'm looking forward to seeing him to see if he can kind of leapfrog some of the guys he's above. I mean, he's behind. But that's the guy I'm going to be watching. Uh, you got Manny Jones at DN. The inside linebackers. Tanner Moose, who got, you know, trucked by Kendra Green. You have Chappelle Russell on the insides. On the outside, David Perrells and Quincy Roche. And Quincy Roche, I, you know, he from the U. So I was rocking with him. He ended up going to the Giants, but he back. So salute to him. You have Madeir Harper. I kind of butchered the typing on here, guys. So I'm butchering their names. But however they font they used to type this out was kind of crazy. I'm sorry, y'all. But bear with the guy. But I'm almost done with this, man. Um, with this, the DBs, you have Madre Harper and Chris Wilcox at corner. With Duke Dawson at the nickel. And at the two safeties, you got Kenny Robinson, who's been doing pretty well, who actually might be challenging Trey Norwood for that second spot behind Minka. And you have Trenton Thompson, not Trenton Thompson, basketball player. But, uh, you know, you have Trenton Thompson. He's the third guy who technically might be the fourth guy, but the third guy. And then, you know, you have your fourth guys. Um None to really point out right now, man. But salute to them on the fourth. Hopefully they can make their way up or remain on the team. But now I gave try to give y'all the perspective of a general. Uh, I mean, excuse me, a casual fan. But me, I'm not too surprised about anything here. Uh, the only thing that's like, oh, okay, they went with that is the damn more over Broderick Jones. I thought as him, just him being a first round guy, they would just give him that. But I feel you. I feel you. There's more so like you got to earn it type of thing. And, um, that's about it. That's about it. Everything else I kind of see play out how, how it is, man. Joey Porter Jr. I already know for a fact that he will be starting with Patrick Peterson. And, um, and that's not dumping on Levi Wallace. It's just... I think Joey Porter is getting better by the practice. So it's interesting to see uh, how that unfolds as the weeks go by. And the special teams, you know, first team, second team, I'm just doing both. And, you know, you got the third team. But 
You got Presley Harvin at first team. He had a okay year, bad year. However you want to put it, man. He, But I, I'm expecting good things from Presley Harvin. Hopefully we don't have to use him like that. But he will be challenged by Brendan Mann, who's second on that punter uh, depth chart on the list. Kicker, Chris Bowles as well. You know, he's he's being challenged by B.T. Potter. But, you know, the old vet, Chris Boswell, I feel like that's his. He got it, man. But the challenge is good. Long snapper is going to be pretty much, man, Christian Kuntz. Uh, he's kind of been in that position for a while, being challenged by Rex uh, Sanahara. Sanahara. You know, so that's a little matchup there. The holders, you know, you have the two punters there. And I talked about it a little bit earlier with Calvin Austin. His impact will be somewhere other than offense. And that special teams with him being number one as far as kick returner and punt returner. Gunner being number two. And Gunner being number two as a punter and kick returner, I feel like is not it won't. In well for him, in my opinion. I feel like if he's not number one, he may be off the team because we may need that to keep the four tight ends, you know, just to get rid of the extra receivers. But then you have Jordan Bird, or Byer, Jordan Bird, Jordan Byer, a third in, on that list, man. But those are the special team guys. The, like I said, the first depth chart normally is either like default before you make the adjustments. Um, so, I would, of course, don't put all your stock into it. But it's good to see where the team is starting at, you know. And I don't feel like none of the placing of the depth chart had anything to do with how camp is unfolding right now. Because you don't even see Kendra Green's name with the fullbacks as far as the depth chart. So, I'm interested in seeing when the next one comes out, what changes. We're definitely going to talk about that when that happens, man. But, you know, we're not going to see a whole lot of that first team. <laughs> so, we're going to see a whole lot of these guys just battling it out. But, last week, football really kicked off. You know, when you had the Jets play the Browns. <clears throat> Browns. I can't really say their name like that. But, you know, the Jets was playing. But... You know, that was honors, honoring the Hall of Fame. And this Hall of Famer, you know, he's going in and some say he revolutionary, revolutionized the nickel position on defense. And this guy gave the credit to, not all the credit, but he gave a, a lot of the credit into this guy that coaches the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's Rondé Barber going into the Hall of Fame. And he thanked Mike Tomlin a whole lot, man. He's telling the impact was a lot. We're going to get into it right now. Rondé Barber went to the Hall of Fame with a list of others, man. And he chose John Lynch and Coach Mike Tomlin to, you know, give him his jacket. And that was dope. Because, you know, if you don't know, Mike Tomlin was the DB coach. On that 2000, uh, was it 2002 Bucks team 
with John Lynch. Uh, not John Lynch. What's that guy's name? Don't worry about it. But Mike Tomlin was a defensive coach, de- defensive back coach. And Rondé Barber was talking about how I think he had like a bad practice or something like that, or a bad game or something like that. But I want to say a bad practice or something like that. And coach was basically being how coach is now, you know, building them up and challenging them, building them up and challenging them, you know, and that ended up paying off for Rondé Barber a whole lot. I think, uh, what he said, something to the nature like, yo, you are, I see you being a 2020 guy, you know, 20 interceptions, 20 sacks type of deal, but he ended up being, uh, what is it, like 45 and 20 or 45 and 25, or it was something like that, right? So basically, what Mike Tomlin saw in Rondé Barber, Rondé Barber ended up becoming that, you know? So Mike, and and those who have a great relationship, Coach, (laughs) Coach probably never missed a practice. I feel like, hold on, I think he actually said something of that nature. Um, Let me see here. Yeah. He even quoted it, man. He said, how cool is this? This weekend, being here for this dude, I haven't missed a practice in 17 years. And I don't even feel bad about it. I got a night practice tonight. And it was Friday night, if I don't know. Um, but no way in hell I was missing this. You know what I mean? So, he was... I, I, I'm not even mad. I don't think still... Well, let me not say that. I don't think any rational... <laughs> Still a fan cares or put any blame on Mike Tomlin for missing the Friday night practice. I don't just because of the type of coach Mike Tomlin is. He's just being consistent. He cares about his guys. Rondé Barber is one of his guys' guys, you know, kind of making his name off this guy in a way, right? It's the direct success of Rondé Barber. Mike Tomlin has a big part of that, you know? So him going to that is just dope. It's like he cares. You know, the fact that he didn't miss a practice in 17 years, but he did on a Friday night lights, that's a big thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Friday night practice, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it get real. But, you know, coach went out there, supported his mans. It only shows how great of a person Mike Tomlin is, man. And it's dope. It's dope, man, to actually – See a player going to the Hall of Fame where they talk about your coach, <laughs> the coach of your current team in that manner. Especially when you hear, even from your the own fan base, how bad of a coach he is. You know, all the stuff, man. You know, there's, there's a lot of Mike Tomlin haters in Still a Nation, man. You know, it's a small group, but they're very loud. Very loud, you know. So seeing Mike Tomlin get the praise on that platform so the world can see. It's dope, and it's only going to build him up even more to be one of the top five greatest head coaches of all time. I said it. I don't want to hear nothing about it, man. But it's your man, Kev Easy. That's my take on that. Now, it's time to get into some bullshit. Yo, man. I came across this thing. I came across this thing. Man. Joey Porter Jr. was sitting down on NFL Network, and they asked him a question. Matter of fact, I'm gonna just play it. I'm gonna just play it so y'all can hear it, so y'all can get everything apart, everything that was said in that moment. So I'm gonna go ahead and play that, and then after I play that, 
we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what Vontez Burfick said on IG. So I'm going to play this and then I'm going to come back. I want to ask you last one here, but I know we got to run. Uh, growing up as a Steeler fan, who do you hate the most? Ooh, that's a tough one. I gotta, I gotta go, Vontez Burfick. Just, just <laughs> but like I have nothing towards him, yeah, and yeah, he doesn't you have to. You're yeah, fan. like he doesn't even know me. But just that rivalry around that time when it was, it was crazy. We did not like that guy at all. But he's actually a good football player. But yeah. Definitely, him. I love that. Perfect. Born and raised into this rivalry, into this division. <laughs> it's going to be a blast to watch you go. Hey, I think at the cold tub. I don't know what we got to. All right, you heard that. When you hear that, you hear him say clearly say, you know, growing up we hated the guy. It was a rivalry, good rivalry, whatever. He don't know the guy. It's nothing personal against the guy. Also said he's a good player. Vontez Burfick took that information in and chose to unleash his hate for his pops online. Now he put a post out there and it's on his gram and he says, he tags Joey Porter Jr. He says, Hey, I'm happy your daddy got stories for you about me, but fuck your daddy on blood. Right? That's what he said. And after that, he said, hey, and for y'all that still watch this rig-ass NFL, what kind of question is that on national TV? Montez, shut up. Nobody want to hear that, bro. The kid gave you props and all that. I don't know what happened between you and Joey Porter after that situation on the field. You feel me? But... It ain't that deep where you go out your way and go like this. You feel me? Young boy, you're not probably, you, I don't know for a fact you ain't going to get a response. You feel me? Us talking about this right now is probably going to be the most we talk about you. When we talk about you, the only vision I got on my head at this point is Juju standing over your body, man. Juju was standing over that body. That drawing a meme, it went viral, all that. That's the only. That's the last time we saw you. That what you did to AB? Yeah, you made him crazy forever. You made him think James Harrison did it. But the lick, we got, we got to get back. Juju put you out too, and you wasn't the same either. Now you still crazy. What's going on here going at the kid? Joey Porter Jr. And he said you a good player. I wouldn't even have said that. If I know you and my dad got into it, I'm not saying none of that stuff. I'm not saying, yo, I don't know him personally. It's nothing against the guy. I'm like, yeah, I would have doubled that triple, quadruple, double, triple, thousand down. And turned up some more. Turned up some more. I would have been looking at the camera. I wouldn't even been looking at the dude that asked me the question. I would have forgot the question. You feel me? But you know, I you know, I ain't no professional athlete, you know that, so you know, they would have probably told me, yo, don't do that, don't do that. But you know, him adding the y'all still watch the rig as NFL, blah, blah, blah. You know, I ain't got too much to say about that, man. Cause you know, y'all know about the little it was like a trend. It was trending when Arian Foster was like, it's a script for the NFL and all that. And, you know, all the NFL players are making fun of it and stuff like that. I don't really got too much to say about that, man, because, you know, 
you can make cases for anything nowadays, right? But Vontez Perfect, if you out there and you listening, man, because you probably be searching your name on Google. I'm going to make sure I have your name somewhere in the description where you can find it and you can hear it. You need to relax, bro. You need to relax. We don't care. You're not, like, if you tough, cool. Cool. Y'all play, this is football, you feel me? Like, you ain't supposed to take this into your second life or third life, however you want to call it. You feel me? I don't know if you want to get... I don't know. It's all about clout nowadays, man. He, he want clout. That's what he want. He want clout. He want clout. I'm going to just leave it like that, man. Vontaze Burger, you bugging. You feel me? The young boy gave you props. Just because you got it out for his dad. You feel me? His dad had a better career than you. Unfortunately for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you should have been looking up to Peasy. Should have been looking up to him instead of trying to be like him, but you ain't doing like him. The stuff you doing made us win the game. And thank you. And shout out to Pac-Man too, man. But, you know, thank you for that. But that's all I got to say about that. Von says, Burf, you bugging. And we got some more bullshit for your ass. Jonathan Scott. I know y'all saying, like, who the hell is Jonathan Scott? Jonathan Scott used to play, used to play offensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He started a couple games, right? He only played two years with us. He went on the podcast. Um, salute to the podcast, people, man. I know why y'all got him on there. And it wasn't for none of that other shit he was talking about. It wasn't for none of that other shit he was talking about. Y'all heard that he had something to say about Big Ben. Y'all said, come on through. It's always good to bash Big Ben. So they told him to come through. And what'd he do? Bash Big Ben. Don't even, no one knows what he up there for. When I went to try to do my research for real, for real, like on the video, I cut that joint off. And no, this is not no disrespect to the podcast, folks. I don't even know what you know which I which I really be talking about like that. I did I never heard of, of the podcast until I seen that, you know? So that's my point. And shout out to them for doing what they did, because you know, they getting eyes on them. You know, hopefully they grow from that. But he up there bashing Big Ben stuff like that. His opinion on Ben's leadership, I'm not gonna come I'm not gonna come at him for that. Because you hear that so much from players that at this point, when you hear it, you're like, yeah, and? And? It's consistent. Ben, ain't st- ben, I was quoted on this podcast, not this this episode, of course. You do your homework. Go back. I did. I said on multiple occasions that Ben just learned how to be a leader. Not like probably his last three, three to four years, he learned how to be a leader. You know what I'm saying? He started being a leader. So, I'm not it, I'm not too crazy about all that. But it's when this man said he felt like the Steelers would have won the Super Bowl and we stuck with Charlie Batch when Ben was out in four games. Charlie Batch went 4-0. But it was like, yo, if Charlie Batch would have stayed in there, and, you know, I'm not quoting him verbatim, 
We would have won the damn thing. And I'm like, yo, shut up, dog. Like, you're bugging. You know, you, you know you just don't like Ben. You know you just don't like Ben. Because even Charlie Batch would tell you they wasn't winning no damn Super Bowl if he had to play every game. He wasn't. Understand that we won those games because, one, the offense was a little more simpler. Just a little bit more. So it wasn't too much that Charlie had to do. All he had to do is not lose the game. And knowing that Big Ben is out, what everybody on the team going to do? Raise their level of play. You got to raise your level of play, yo. When your superstar, your one of your top dogs is down, everybody else got to pull their weight. If they don't pull their weight, it's going to be crazy. You're going to really see the, the, the what's missing. So for you to come out and say that, that was straight hater shit. It crazy. Like, you feel me? Like, we in a back nine of this podcast. I'm going to end it just with this. You know, Jonathan Scott, I don't know what you selling. I hope you sell. I hope you do very well. But don't come out here and say no dumb shit like that again, man. Charlie Batch, if you out there, yo, you ain't even got to talk. You ain't even got to talk. I hope you still do the, you know, your, your little your, your job at the um, news station and all that. You feel me? Like I like hearing you talk about the football, man. You pretty good at that. Um, but if that ever comes out and someone asks you about that, man, just put that to bed. Just put that to bed. You ain't even got to. I'll put it to bed. Jonathan Scott, shut the hell up, man. Whatever you selling, man, I hope it sell. Cause that you ain't sell me on that shit. You can sell me on Ben's leadership skills. Because, damn it, there's damn near a book about it. Someone wrote a book about it. I guarantee you, someone wrote somewhere a book. And Ben's leadership is somewhere in there. Ben will probably tell you his leader. He probably already did. But, he, you know, I'm pretty sure he said he wasn't a great leader um, in his first 75%, 80% of his career. But... If you if you're if you have all the other qualities to be an elite quarterback, you don't gotta be the best leader. And you know, I'm not making excuses, but I'm just saying, like, how how you value leadership really? <laughs> man, that's what coaches for. <laughs> but yo, Jonathan Scott, shut the hell up, man. Don't go on no more podcasts talking, man, about um <laughs> Stills winning the Super Bowl with Charlie Batch, man. Like this, this, and then I'm not disrespecting Charlie Bass. Charlie Bass was like later in his career. He couldn't throw deep. You feel me? Like it, it yo, man, it's your man, Cav Easy. Yo, this is Stills for Seven Podcast, episode 97, man. We're going to wrap this thing on up, man. Um, Going to come at you again this week on later news updates leading up to the game, man. Shout out to the VSN team, VSN Network, man, on VSN. You can check us out everywhere, man. What? Yo. I can't believe that, man. I can't believe that, man. But, yeah, man, y'all stay tuned. Salute, 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 salute to everybody that came back, that stuck with Stills for 7 podcast since the beginning. Going to be more consistent with this thing, man. Because this is the year we see the real direction of the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. It's your man, Cav Easy. Episode 98 will be out this week. 
I am out.